Hello, welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports. JJ Jerez here, Arif Dean. Arif is in Detroit, as we mentioned in our last episode. Uh, Arif, how's it going? How's Detroit? How was your journey, um, I guess, around Canada and then back into uh, Detroit from Toronto? How are you doing? Just how are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's there is just something about this entire trip that's just been so obviously being from here. It's just been so perfectly laid out, not just to get two games in and to be able to visit family, but to have the ability to skip the Ottawa game and have two days off between Toronto and Detroit. The Detroit game is a 1 p.m. Saturday matinee, which means it is now 5 p.m. on a Saturday Eastern time. You and I are recording. And I'm not flying back to Denver until late Sunday night. I have the whole weekend to hang out with friends and family. It's just a great time here. Weather sucks. It's kind of cold. But that was a fun game, fun atmosphere. It's been a great road trip. And the Avalanche took care of business. Yep, absolutely. The road trip ends. They clean sweep the road trip and make it even five in a row. You know, the home game that dated back to last week. Um, so, yeah, just good good looking stuff from the Avalanche, exceeding our expectations, right? I mean, we said that there'd be a chance that they come back having lost one. Well, they didn't, and they, they squeaked that Ottawa game out. We'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast. But I guess for right now, let's just focus on this Detroit game and, and what went right and what's creating this awesome win streak that's, you know, making them climb the standings here in the, in the Central. Yeah, uh, if you ask Alexander Georgiev how – and why the road trip has been going as good as it going it's going he says we're scoring a lot of goals and i mean that, that is the most obvious like we don't got to sit there and dip into all the stats and all the numbers we're just scoring a shitload of goals and when you score a lot of goals you're going to win a lot of games uh obviously toronto game aside where they only had one in regulation and one in the shootout but they got eight on montreal they got five on ottawa here's another five on detroit Tons of goals to go around. 20 goals total over this four-game road trip. 19 plus the shootout winner from McKinnon. Yeah, I guess I wanted to get into a quick conversation of something that I, I noticed today, right? I mean, we had a goal from uh, Bowen Byram today. We had a goal from Devon Taves. And that kind of got my sparks flying about last year. And I remember you and I having the conversation of how much the defense chipped in on scoring last year and how much that attributed to their success right and so having two defensive goals today and not only that during the during the five game win streak here you've had five defensive goals two from Makar, two from byram and that one from taves so feels like the um defensive unit chipping in offensively right now which is something i think we missed a little bit there for a stretch in the season but the fact that it's happening right now right before playoffs you know i i feel really good that the, the avalanche are starting to look more like themselves than they have all year long Yep. I mean, the Avalanche are the only team in the NHL with three defensemen to have 30 points. And it's Sam Girard, it's Kale McCarr, it's Devon Taves. That doesn't even include Bo Byram, who would be well past that number had it not been for his injury in the beginning of the season that kept him out for you know several months. Um, but this is this is what the Avs defense does best. We've seen Devon Taves, like you said, he's picked up his uh, offensive game here recently. We've seen uh, Sam Gerrard since New Year's Day has been just on a tear. I think he's up to 25 or 26 points in 32 games since that New Year's Eve loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs, the game after that. We've seen Kale McCarr obviously just piling on those points. There was a point, I forget which uh, part of in you know, this is terrible podcast for me to sit there and count it up, but so I'm not gonna, but there was a point in over the last several games where Kill McCarr had 10 points in his first five games back. I actually have it in front of me right here in the last eight 
games, 16 points. Bingo. Yeah. So he had 10 in his first five games back and then one, two, and three against Toronto, Ottawa, and Detroit. So that's your other six points, 16 points in his last eight games, three of them goals, 15 assists. Is and in all, in all, yes, in all eight, in all, <laughs> in all eight of those games too, uh, he's got at least one point. So he's on an eight game point streak right now. Again, My math was incorrect. Three goals and 13 assists. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no. Yeah. Just saying that um, he's on a point streak. Eight games. Yeah. Yep. He's had a point in every single game since that return. Obviously one goal, three assists against the San Jose Sharks in that game. Another three helpers against Montreal. Another three helpers against Detroit. He's playing like Kale McCarr. And obviously against the Red Wings, I just want to throw this out there. Well, you know, just not that we're live, but Kale McCarr did not play the last 11 minutes of that game against the Red Wings. There was nothing wrong with him. He was on the bench. Uh, we unfortunately didn't ask Jared about it. Peter Bonai, the reporters here in Detroit, because we didn't realize it until afterward, because obviously we're probably not watching the same feed you guys all watch. I'm sure Altitude mentioned it. Uh, but we did ask the Avalanche's PR and they said nothing's wrong with Kale. So it just seems like with 11 minutes left in regulation and with the Avalanche up five to one, Jared said, Kale, you're done. You're just going to sit there. And then he celebrated. He was in the locker room. So nothing about it said injury. Um, but yeah, like he's playing unbelievable hockey. Uh, he's ramped up his game. Devon Taves has ramped up his game, both offensively and defensively. You know, since last year, like we've seen since last year's playoffs, we've seen a little bit of uh, Devon just kind of having like these boneheaded turnovers here and there. We're not seeing a lot of that recently. Sam Gerrard obviously has upped his game. Bowen Byram has gotten, you know, consistently better since getting healthy. Jack Johnson, steady force, just right there. Like ever since that trade for England, he's played 11 games and he's just hanging out right there. No mistakes, nothing flashy, just doing his thing. And and this is what you want from a team that has the defensive core that the Avs have. Yeah, I mean, uh, Devon Taves' goal, again, just to reiterate how much it looks like the avalanche of old, right? Val Nachushkin planted himself right in front of the net, taking the, the goalie's eyes away. The shot coming from the blue line, the way the Avalanche love to generate that um, offense. And then, of course, Bowen Byram's goal coming in on the four on three. I mean, the Avalanche with a little bit of space and, you know, having four on three, right? So three guys that would normally be on the ice taking up space, not there. The Avalanche just take advantage and they they, they do so well with space. The talent on this team with McCarr, McKinnon across to Byram on the one timer. I mean, it's it's fun to watch this team with a man advantage, even more fun when it's a four on three like that. Yeah, the funny thing about that four-on-three goal, obviously, the Avalanche went with McKinnon and JT, and then, like you said, it was Kale and Bo were both on the ice. And me and Peter right away noticed that. It's a four-on-three power play. It's not four-on-four. So, like, right away we noticed that, and we, like, we made a couple comments about, like, wow, they're going with Bo Byerman. Bo was on the wing because Kale's the guy up top, and it's, you know, mm -hmm. a one-three setup. And Bo's on the wing, and it's Bo and JT with Nathan McKinnon also on the other wing, and we're like, wow, like, you know, with Miko Rantanen in the box, they're going to bow. And I'm like, and I made a joke and a comment about like, yeah, they're running out of wingers and, you know, with Lekkinen injured. And Peter's like, yeah, but you have Val Nachushkin. And we're sitting here talking, like questioning why is Bo Byram on the wing on the top unit? Not questioning it as if it was a poor decision, but just like having this conversation about it and then just cuts us off with a goal. <laughs> like I'm here and I'm going to score. And we're like, okay, I guess we're done talking about that because he scored. He did the thing in complete uh, Miko ranting in fashion too. Right. He looked just like him dropped a knee one timer yep, and, yep. and just, just beat the goalie. No problem. So yeah, it was a beautiful goal. Yeah. Like it looked like he'd played on the wing before, which obviously the avalanche like to do that uh, 3d second power play unit every once in a while. But he just looks so natural. there, playing one wing with McKinnon on the other JT taking a face off and kill McCarr at the point. 
it just fits so well. Um, and to nobody's surprise, Nathan McKinnon chips in a goal. Miko Rantanen chips in a goal as well. I, Nathan McKinnon's goal, if you remember that first podcast from my paternity leave, I pointed out you know, a couple goals that stood out to me over the, the previous month, and one of them was a Nathan McKinnon goal where it was off the breakout, just north, 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 north. That's all it was, yeah. fast <laughs> and efficient. I, that, that goal today reminded me of that same goal, just a quick through the neutral zone and and just McKinnon's off to the races. It's wild. McKinnon used to score goals by beating players to the outside. And we see Connor McDavid score goals by beating players to the outside. But you, you said the word efficient. The quickest way to get from point A to point B is a straight line. And Nathan McKinnon has been scoring goals with that straight line lately. It's just right through the defense. I'm not going to waste my time going around the outside and beating you with my speed. I'm just going to bull rush through center ice, stick handle through your D and take a shot. And, and he's been doing it from like beyond the hash marks. He's not even going in and kind of deking around the goal. You're going to his backhand. He's just firing it from the hash marks and scoring. So just an efficient play from Nathan. Once again, you know, we've seen him do that over and over and over again. And suddenly here he is 30 goals, 88 points. He's played 57 games, second in the NHL, creating separation from the rest of the guys in points per game. And now even with, the amount of games that he's missed. He's now sixth in the NHL in points, which is just unbelievable for a guy that has played 10, 11, 12 fewer games than everybody else in the top 20, top 30. 30th goal of the year too. Good to see yep. uh, McKinnon reach that milestone. Um, you know, he's got plenty left in the tank too. Like if he could play a full season, I, I wish I knew where he would be. I mean, uh, over a point per game this year, I wish I knew you know, what he could have put together had he, you know, stayed healthy there. Yeah. Back in the he's fall. on pace right now for 126 points had, yeah. uh, in an, he's on an 82 game pace of 126 points. He's not going to hit that. Cause he's only, you know, going to play 71 games, mm -hmm. but if Nathan McKinnon, you know, the last time he played 82 games in a season was 2018, 19. If you remember, he had 99 points and couldn't get that 100. If, if Nathan McKinnon plays an 82 game season here in his prime over the next several seasons, uh, 130 is not out of the question. Like he can get there. Um, yeah. So we talked about the goals from guys we expected McKinnon, Rantanen, the defensive group. Let's talk about Lars Eller chipping in not only today, but also uh, on the Ottawa game, right? Two goals in two games and not the prettiest of goals, but what they look like to me, Arif, are playoff style goals. Attack the net, stop in front of the net, look for a rebound, look for a loose puck. Even if the whistle hasn't blown and the goalie thinks it has, you're there ready to bury the puck home sticking with the play that's what he does he's a pesky kind of guy these are the types of plays he makes and you know i asked jared about that i said you know this was a completely different kind of goal than the one we saw in ottawa but they're both examples of a player sticking with it just going 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 and creating something out of nothing you know is that what you guys envisioned when you traded for eller and he said this is this is part of it this is part of what we knew we were going to get with this guy uh, the Ottawa game was a player that, you know, you saw Logan O'Connor stop. You saw Jake Sanderson stop. What's the similarities between those two players? Logan O'Connor, while, yes, he's a veteran, has been in the NHL for, you know, a half a decade. If even that, I think it's been a half a decade now. And it's kind of newer to the NHL. Uh, Jake Sanderson, highly touted, top five draft pick, still very young in his rookie season. Lars Eller, I've been around for 12, 13, 14 years. I know to play until the whistle sounds. The whistle didn't sound regardless of what you think happened. I'm going to poke this guy home, and he did. And obviously a young goalie in the net as well. So just a veteran play, a play of sticking with it and just making something out of nothing. 
And then in Detroit, he does it again. You know, he comes in on that rush on the PK, which is a hardworking play because you're in your own zone and then you're getting past the center or you're getting into the Red Wing zone. You know, he could have cleared it halfway through that breakout, but he was fighting and was so stubborn about letting the Red Wings get the puck back at that center ice spot that he continued to fight. And then I think he fell over the puck and then he gets back up and he did everything he can to say, this puck is going to end up in the Red Wing zone. And it did. And then it ended up on Val Nachushkin's stick with a wide open look. I thought Nachushkin was going to go right back to Eller, but obviously he took the first shot. Eller got the rebound and scored. And that entire thing was a player sticking with the play, not giving up on the play and making something out of seemingly nothing because there would have been nothing wrong with Lars Eller at center ice battling, trying to get it into the Red Wing zone and then turning left and taking a beeline for the bench to change it up to continue the PK. But he did what he had to do to suddenly generate this golden opportunity that ended up with a goal. Yeah, I think Val Nachushkin's reaction kind of says it all about that goal, right? You don't see Val express emotion too much, and he was super pumped for that goal, just nodding his head like, hell yeah, because it was a hardworking play, and you know when you really earn it and you fight that hard, I mean, it just feels that much better. And, you know, with a play like that and with how much Jared Bednar seemingly loves penalty kills, you know, he earned um, a couple points in Jared Bednar's eyes and burying that puck and, and picking up the shorthanded goal. So, yeah, good to see maybe Lars Eller getting a little bit of, of momentum here in an avalanche sweater and um, uh, awesome work on the penalty kill. And I, I can't wait to see what he actually does in playoff style hockey, because like you've mentioned, that's that's his game. And yep. you can tell you can see it already that that's that's where he's going to thrive and that's where he's really going to shine. You have to remember, you know, I've, I've made this uh, comparison before and I'll use the Darren Helm one this time, not the Cogliano one. I usually bunch them together, but Darren Helm hadn't played playoff hockey in a long time when the Avalanche signed him. And in the regular season last year, like Darren Helm was just, he was just a guy. He was just a depth piece, nothing special. He was the replacement for Pierre-Edouard Belmar and he was just whatever, played on the wing, sometimes center. But you saw him as the regular season kept going ramp up toward the playoffs kind of like oh my god i'm ready to go i'm i can't i'm excited for the playoffs and then he did something he hadn't done in his entire career was he led the nhl playoffs in hits as a guy that's not very big but plays likes to play a physical game in the playoffs led the nhl in hits in his 14th or 15th nhl season and it's part of the reason why he's played only five games this year but the excitement of him getting back to the playoffs as a veteran that's been there before that knows what it's like to, to taste exciting physical playoff hockey. You saw Darren Helm make a difference in the playoffs. And that's the kind of thing you're seeing from Lars Eller. Lars Eller hasn't gone four or five years without playing in the playoffs. Like Helm did when he came, but he's been on this team. That's been a little bit of a snoozer with the Washington capitals where it started. So it started slow, then it got really good. And then they've just fallen off from December to January to February to March until that trade to the avalanche, where you kind of got the sense that he was just coasting, you know, in his last season. And now you're starting to see him pick it up the last three, four games before the goal against Ottawa, he was starting to play better. He looked more comfortable. Now you're starting to see, like you said, exactly what the Avalanche thought they were going to get from this guy, exactly the type of playoff hockey that makes him who he is. I have yet to be in the locker room since Lars Eller's acquisition 
Um, of course, that'll end on Monday at the, Sh- the Chicago Blackhawks game. But uh, again, I, I want to look back at Val Nachushkin's reaction because I-, I I just find that extraordinary, right? It wasn't his goal. He's still super pumped. So I just get the impression that already in his short time, Lars Eller is making an impression within the dressing room, right? Maybe not yep. so much uh, in the favor of Avalanche fans just yet, but it seems like he's already a guy that, that the-, the Avalanche have embraced. Yeah, I mean, this team does a really good job of of integrating players into their locker room pretty much as quick as they, as soon as they acquire them. And my favorite thing about the Avs and the guys in that room, you know, we make we make comments about this all the time about Nathan McKinnon is they're so aware of who players are that are coming into their locker room. They're so aware. They know the Hockey DB and the Elite Prospects page, the NHL Stats page, the ESPN Stats page of your choice, whatever page you like to look at. They know what players do in the playoffs. Like They traded for a guy in Cogliano that had very minimal points, but Nathan McKinnon knew him from summers that they used to tra- that they would train together, and it was kind of like we're getting a veteran presence that we know can win that was so integrated into the locker room that after McKinnon – or sorry, after Eric Johnson – he was the first guy to get the Stanley Cup right there and then. Um, so now with Lars Eller, it's a similar thing. They don't care that they're acquiring a player that had, I think, one point in his last 24, 25 games with the Washington Capitals. He had a very like a very bad ending to that season uh, before the trade this year, I should say. But they looked at Lars Eller as a guy that we're bringing in that we know is a proven playoff commodity. We've played him twice already this year. He's still got his legs. He's still got an opportunity. So, like, they're very aware and educated about these guys coming in. So they do a good job of integrating them into the lineup right away. Same thing with Jack Johnson. Yeah, you played like ass in Chicago. We don't care. We know who you are. We know what you can bring to the team. And you did it last year, and you're going to do it again this year. So I think that helps because when they bring in a guy of value, a guy that helps, you know they're going to care more for him and bring him into the room right away. Yeah, and obviously they probably do you know a lot of homework on who the guy is and if he is a good fit in that dressing room. That's why you see them liking to bring guys back like Matt Nieto, Jack Johnson, because yep. they know what those guys – do and how they how they uh kind of assimilate into that lineup and i feel like jack johnson hasn't stopped smiling since he was reacquired my god i don't think you've been in the locker room since he came back right dude he's just he's so happy all the time now like i mean you and i weren't even in the locker room last year because we didn't have the, the access to the dressing room last year but like he's just so happy all the time like he's literally like just always got a smile on his face uh, that like basically everything I just explained is my way of saying like, and this is no disrespect to them, but when the avalanche are hurting and they're struggling and they go out and trade for someone or sorry, they claim someone like Dryden hunt off waivers. Yeah. They integrate him into the locker room, but they don't look at him the same way as someone like Eller or Cogliano because they're like, eh, is this guy really going to help us? Is he going to be for the long haul? Do we got to build a lot of rapport with this guy? Is he even going to be a player? And they obviously didn't, and he wasn't a player, and they traded him for Dennis Malgin, who's slowly developing into a player. So, like, they just they do their homework on these guys. They know who they are. And I always, I often think to the McKinnon comment when I made that fun video about uh, uh, when Nazem Kadri, or sorry, when Nicholas Abe Kubel came back, and we made that video of uh, what was, uh, what were your thoughts when Abe Kubel dropped the Stanley Cup? 
or what were you thinking when he dropped the Stanley Cup? And Nathan McKinnon said, I was thinking, why does this guy have the cup and why is he dropping it? Kind of to say, like, <laughs> you're just Nicholas Obe Kubel. You're just the fourth liner that had a couple of points. Like, they do their homework on these guys so well, as, as cutthroat as it sounds. So they knew when they got Lars Eller, this guy was going to be a player for us. Let's get him in this room and let's get him involved. Get him comfortable because if he's comfortable, he'll play his game. I mean, a part of that has to be a testament to just the preparation that goes into every NHL game and the scouting and the video watching and the, the planning for every opponent, right? They, they are very familiar with each other, um, at least from a hockey X's and O's standpoint. Yeah, they they very much are. And, and this is... This is a new age NHL where you got video on every single player. The scouting is, you know, scouting is still very much a thing where you send scouting staff to different cities, but also you can go on YouTube and watch five minutes of a guy and be like, oh, I know who he is now. Not only that, Eric, the NHL teams, um, you know, they pay for a service where you can literally type in, you know, Kale McCarr and watch every single every shift, shift that yeah. Kale McCarr has in a, in a particular game. So, yeah, they are they are videoed big what brother is watching the nhl what a difference that is to 15 20 years ago what a difference that is i often think back to and I, and I remember this trade deadline in my head so well because of you know what had unravel what had unraveled the day before the trade deadline but 2004 the year the avalanche had korean salani i don't i don't know if many people remember this but the day of the bertuzzi Moore hit was the night before the trade deadline. During that game, before Bertuzzi hit more, the Avalanche had made a trade for Matthew Barnaby. It was announced during that game. And during that trade deadline, they went out and traded for Tommy Salo, a goalie. They traded for Chris Grattan. They traded for Aussie Vannon. And they brought in so many guys that at that time, and this isn't a long time ago. This is, you know, 19, 20 years ago. For me, it's not a long time ago. For some people, they're like, we're 18, 19 years old. We weren't even alive. Um, at that time, you didn't have the same, you know, connection to players that you do now. You didn't have the same video. You didn't have the same things where a lot of players, you know, you could be Joe Sackick acquiring someone like Ossie Vanden, a depth defenseman, and you're like, I know nothing about this guy. And that just doesn't happen anymore. Everybody that was in that locker room that's an NHL lifer, that's a veteran of this league, when Lars Eller came in, knew exactly what they were getting. It's not the same as it was before. Cool, cool. Well, yeah, a lot of scouting, a lot of homework done. Homework that we could all be doing to learn how to make better bets, right? And make 2023 the year that you beat Vegas. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere so download the superbook sports app or visit superbook.com and start your battle against vegas right now visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 um Arif, let's look into that ottawa game now um we talked about the lars eller goal good stuff uh let's just talk about the game as a whole before we get into the Jonas johansson save because it, it was um you know another one of those I guess, wild finishes for the Avalanche, right? They kind of had control early in the second period. It trickled away from him in the third, but it felt like it was a challenging win, right? It was it was tough for them to get that win. Second night of a back-to-back, playing your third, fourth string goalie, however you want to look at it, and um, still finding a way to get it done. 
I think it was a special win. I know it was just Ottawa, not, nothing too amazing to look at, and they kind of controlled the game early, but that was um, a, a, almost a scheduled loss, and they came out on top. Yeah, I don't remember if I said it on this podcast, but I said it on the Mile High Sports AMA segment that I did last Wednesday when I was asked what my prediction for the road trip was, and I said, I think the Avalanche are going to win three of four. And Yeah, uh, you tend to repeat yourself, so you said that here too. I did. Okay, yes. And when I did it on the AMA, I just forget where I say things. And when I did it on the AMA, Kim Becker had asked me, is the one loss Toronto? They're the strong team. And I said, no, the one loss is Ottawa because of the back-to-back, because of the goalie question of who's going to play, who's the backup goalie, who's going to go against the Ottawa Senators. But as soon as the Avs jumped out to that early 2 to nothing lead against the Sens, I said two things to myself when I saw that. I said, number one, this game is not going to be a route. It's still going to be a close one. Number two, this helps give the Avalanche the edge because you get those quick goals in. Like the way that the Red Wings play today, if that was the Senators, I should say the way the Red Wings played in the first period today, if that was the Ottawa Senators, the Avalanche maybe don't win that game because it was the second of a back-to-back because it was with Johansson and net, but they got a two to nothing cushion and basically said at this point, It's like betting. All we have to do is win minus one and a half or not lose minus one and a half, not lose by more than two goals, by two goals or more in regulation. And we got this game and they didn't. They gave up four, but they scored three. So, you know, the rest of the way. So getting that early two to nothing lead really, really helped. And that was always going to be, like you said, the scheduled loss, the toughest part of the road trip. Uh, The Avalanche, you know, for people that are wondering, this is only the first time since 2011 and the third time in team history that they win a road trip of four or more games and win out completely. Like you're not supposed to do what they just did. That Ottawa game got a little chippy at times. And I feel like the Red Wings game did too. And, you know, kind of all the games in recent memory are starting to really amp up as far as chippiness. How do you feel like the Avalanche are handling it, especially versus years past? You know, I I always am going to look back to that Las Vegas, not not Las Vegas, the Vegas series a couple years ago with the Ryan Reeves and Ryan Graves incident. Just how it felt like the Avalanche kind of got bullied out of that series. I feel a little bit better about the way they handle the chippiness right now. They're so smart about it. It's it's such a hard way to it's such a hard thing to really gauge. Like I love what Miko Ranton has said about it today when asked about it. He said or post game when he was asked about it, he said that, you know, we're a team fighting to make the playoffs and fighting to be in the playoffs and have that playoff atmosphere. He said teams like Detroit you have players on their team fighting for their jobs. Basically, what he's saying is this part of the regular season, it's not the playoff teams that amp it up. It's everybody amps it up. You know, this is why you're seeing teams like Anaheim and Arizona. They're suddenly going on these winning streaks, Philadelphia, Vancouver, like the teams at the bottom that should be losing as much as they can for Connor Bedard are starting to win a lot of games because it involves a lot of players fighting for their futures, fighting for another contract, fighting for their jobs for, for next season. So this part of the year, it's when it happens. I think, I just think the Avalanche are doing a much better job of balancing it, knowing when to jump in and when not to. You know, we saw Miko Ranton in the last several weeks. We've seen him go at the refs. We've seen him kind of get involved in rough stuff. Today, there was many, many times where Jake Wallman, who was number 96 on the Red Wings, after Branton and hit him early in the game, uh, Miko explained it as he was rattled and wouldn't let it go, um, is ultimately what happened. Jake Wallman got pissed off and kept going at Miko. And you saw Miko sometimes would kind of clap back. Other times would just let it be like, Fuck it. I'm not going to waste all my energy on this. I will sometimes, but I'm going to stay out of it. You saw the same thing with Nachushkin. 
He's on the bench or going to the bench, trying to go for a line change, and Adam Ernie gives him a shove. So Val gives him a little shove back. Adam Ernie takes it to the next level. Val doesn't try to go overboard. He just defends himself, stops it in his tracks. The one penalty of that went to Adam Ernie. Val didn't get an, uh, get an offsetting minor. The avalanche went on the power play. So they're just being very smart about the way they handle those. Yeah, and, and just playing with a chip on their shoulder, right? I mean, I know Miko Rantanen feels like he's up against every opponent and the refs in each game, but I think it's doing a good thing for his, for his style of play right now. As long as he's keeping his head and uh, not getting in the ref's face too much and, and not saying anything he shouldn't, you know, he scored that goal today and, you know, had a very kind of fuck yeah celebration to it and gave yeah. Evan Rodriguez some knuckles for the great pass. I think he even told him great pass, when, you know, trying to read his lips on altitude, um, which which brings me to the other point. I, I'm really starting to love Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Evan Rodriguez together out there. Evan Rodriguez yeah. is just such a smart player that he just knows yep. how to find two guys who know how to bury that puck. And he plays such a distinct and unique style of play where it works. Like, you know, we just played the Toronto Maple Leafs. We saw them play the Avalanches several days ago. Their top line is Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, big name, big name, and Michael Bunting because it fits. It works. That guy just fits in. It's the same reason why, you know, Pascal Dupuis used to fit with Sidney Crosby. They play such a distinct style of game where it works with the stars like that. Rodriguez can pitch, can, uh, can uh, find you and set, in, and, uh, set you up for shots. If there's no shots to, 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 to be had or no setups to be had, Rodriguez will shoot it on goal and, you know, Miko and Nate are both bulls. They're going to go toward the crease and they're going to fight for that rebound. So he just fits so well with those guys. And I, I love that they have that combination because it gives JT Comfort the ability, even without Gabe Landeskog healthy, it gives JT Comfort the ability to have two excellent top line wingers in Val Nachushkin and Arturi Lekinen. So it really balances it in that way. Miko and Miko and Nate are the superstars. They can have the guy who's more of a fringe second, third liner, give JT Comfort the two great wingers because he probably needs a little more than Nate does. Quite the uh, little point streak for Miko as well. I just uh, was thinking, man, he, it, he scored a goal in each of the last four games, but I feel like it goes even further back. He's got a point in each of the last seven. So we were talking about Kale yeah. McCarr's eight-game eight, eight game point streak. Miko Ranton is on a seven. He's. <laughs> I wonder what – so what, what's Nathan McKinnon at? You have that Miko, on the top of your mind? McKinnon, I want to say, is 11 games now. I could be wrong. We'll uh, take a look at that here in just a second. But, yeah, I mean, Nathan McKinnon, he was scoring pretty much every night. He went two games without a goal, but he still had points in both those games. So he has had a point in every single game since the loss to Dallas. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And before the Dallas game, he was on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So he went nine games. Bad game in Dallas, and now eight games since. So he's crushing it. Dallas Stars, they got him again on April 1st. You know they're going to want a better game then. Two games since the new year has he gone pointless. Two. Two. Two games. That's that's unbelievable. Um, let's get to the save, right? What a lot of people are already deeming perhaps the Three. save of the year. Three, Three games. Three. Uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Just trying, just trying to get it on the fly there. Sorry. Um. Yeah, Jonas Johansson safe. I mean, it was it was a great save, great timely save, I would say. I wouldn't say it was too beautiful stylistically, but hey, it got the job done and literally won the game for the Avalanche. So I was going to make a comment about that, but I would rather ask you because you're the goalie guy and you played goalie and you grew up playing that position. 
the way that I see it, and I want you to tell me if I'm wrong or not, the way that I see it is, you know, there's been a lot of chatter of like, oh, Johansson made a sick save because he was out of position. But I kind of see it as like his momentum carried him out of position when he had to make that initial save. So I don't see it because like oftentimes in the NHL, a beautiful save is because a goalie was so out of position that he has to kind of like make up for that. I didn't see it as that. I saw Johansson make a really nice save and kind of slide to the left of the crease. And then when that rebound and chance was happening, he pushed off so unbelievably well to get there where like, I want to give him credit for the save. Is that the way you see it? Or did you see it as a guy was out of position? Uh, you, well, you know me, I, I, I like to pick things apart and you, rain well, on, you rain on everybody's goalie parade. I think he was fine in position. And, and what made the save great was his ability to get across the net. Um, he got a little bit lucky with the shooter's placement of the puck, right? I think he, the, the shooter kind of put it a little bit more to the middle than he could have towards the uh, post I mean, or up in the air. So he got his leg there. Nice are. Yeah, he got his leg there. He got his leg there. But had it been placed better, I think he would have uh, definitely gotten beat. And what really, I guess, irked me about the whole thing was he lost the puck after that, right? He was suddenly on his back, almost a la Darcy Kemper, just looking for wherever <laughs> it went. His defense there um, were, were there to cover him, but he lost it. So had there been somebody there for a rebound, it was an easy, easy goal. And I think, you know, your second, your third sequence saves say a lot about who you are as a goalie. A, a lot of people can stand there and make the first one. And again, I'm not taking away. It was a great slide, great way to follow the puck. Just could have been done a lot prettier and maybe a lot more um, square in terms of technique. Yeah. Well, you know what? In the end, it worked. Exactly. Like, that, and that's my point. Yeah. It made it made it he made the save. It won the game. So we don't need to sit here and nitpick yeah. and, and we just seen, don't think it's the save of the year. Yeah, we've seen how how tough it can get when the Avalanche have to play their backup goalie without Frankie there. We've seen it over the last several months. Uh what we saw there was a goalie that did enough to get you the win. And that's what you want. And it came down to the wire because while he was trying to do enough, the Avalanche did kind of get outplayed in that third period, had a five to two lead that turned into five to four. They needed their goalie to make a big save. And if you remember, it was a two-man advantage because it was a four-on-three power play with the goalie pulled, so five-on-three for Ottawa. So, you know, I'm, I'm giving him the credit for the circumstances of the moment. Uh, but that is a good point that you made. I remember when I was writing about it, I said that he made this glorious save with four seconds left. And then I went and watched the replay, and I realized that he made the save with seven seconds left. But there was still a scramble for several seconds, two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half seconds in the crease before the puck and the play were blown dead. Mm-hmm. And he had no idea where it was. Yeah, neither did the ref, and that's why he blew it dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, I guess uh, last thing I wanted to get to for today's episode was just another look at the standings. You know, last podcast we did just a couple days ago, I sat here and said, I feel like the Avalanche are probably going to lock up that third spot. Well, now with Dallas sliding, and if the Avalanche take care of their next game, which they have in hand, they now are the leaders of the Central Division. So, of course, they're currently in second. Dallas has lost their last two games and four of their last seven. So they're not playing the best hockey. Very doable for the Avalanche here to take the Central. Yeah. I mean, one thing that you have to do, uh, that you do have to remember is the Dallas Stars play the Calgary Flames tonight. Hockey night in Canada in Calgary. So if the Stars win, the standings will be similar. I mean, Minnesota will be different, but the Avalanche Stars standings will be sim similar to what it was entering the day where the Avs have two games in hand and they're three points back and Dallas is three points ahead and has a better points percentage. But if the avalanche 
or sorry, if Dallas loses, whether in regulation or overtime, the Avalanche will have the best points percentage and an opportunity on Monday to pass them in the standings with a victory over the Blackhawks. So tonight's game against the Calgary Flames, you know, if you're ever pushing for Calgary to get a friggin' victory for once in their damn life, even if it's an overtime or the shootout, this is the game where you want it to happen for the Avalanche's sake. Um, what I'm looking at is not just Dallas. I look at Vegas and I see a team that's four points ahead of the Avs with the Avalanche having a game in hand. Obviously, Vegas has the tiebreakers. We can all agree maybe that the Avalanche are going to win that game in hand, you know, the next one against Chicago. And if that's the case, like you're two points back of Vegas, you're one point back of Dallas, or sorry, you're ahead of Dallas, you know, before Dallas plays game number 70. You're looking pretty good there because – you know, the Western Conference is very much up for grabs as much as the Central Division is. As long as you play the way the Avs have been playing, 25-3 and three in their last 28 games, there's a very big possibility you can not only get out of the 2-3 seed and uh, in the Central and get the top seed in the Central, but there's a possibility you can get the top seed in the West. Yeah, so teams to keep an eye on right now, I guess, as far as potential opponents for the Avalanche are the Wild, the Kraken, and the Jets. A Kraken-Avalanche playoff series would be so fun and a little sad for the Kraken. Hey, welcome to the NHL playoffs. You have to face the Colorado Avalanche first round. But we saw this year, you know, the Kraken kind of made it tough for Colorado. So yeah, it could be a a better series than we anticipate, but I kind of am rooting for that one. Yeah, I mean, whether it's Seattle, whether it's Winnipeg, I mean, there's also a, you know, an, an alternate universe where Minnesota wins the division in Colorado, Dallas, or 2-3. Like, that's very much in play. Minnesota's one point back of Dallas and tied with the Avalanche, with the Avalanche having a game in hand. There's still a play, a position, or a possibility of Minnesota being one, Colorado, Dallas, 2-3. Not to mention the Avalanche have a game with both Dallas and Minnesota yep. still to go this year, as well as Winnipeg. So, um, yeah, still a lot of things can, can happen. A lot of chairs to be shuffled. Both the Wild game and the Stars game are on not consecutive nights, but consecutive games, both at Ball Arena. It's going to be a fun it, one. Those are going to be two really fun games. Six home games to go. So if you haven't caught a game at Ball Arena yet, you, you better hurry up because time's a ticking and then you got playoff prices to compete with. So, yeah, um, yeah heading down the stretch here. We're all, almost there. Playoffs right around the corner, about a month away. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Arizona. We're going to have JJ back. You know what I'm excited for? I'm excited for that Wednesday game. It's a 6 p.m. Mountain Time puck drop. We love those. Yeah, we do. Here, here at Hockey Mountain High, we love those games that start before 7. We love early starts. We love them. So, But, yeah, paternity leave is over, so I'll be back in the building. Excited to be there. Um, yeah, it'll be a challenge, but it'll be, I guess, fun to be back. Um, that being said, I think we're wrapping up the show with I think at this point we we have to give him co-host uh, <laughs> title with how often we use sound bites from him, Alexander Georgiev, to take us out and his comments um, after the win in Detroit. Yep, we'll uh, get Georgiev here to end the show once again. It's been a great road trip. It's been a lot of fun. Can't wait for Monday at Ball Arena. Can't wait to be back. Can't wait to see it all in person again. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today. If you made it this far in the podcast, of course, bless that pretty little part of yours. Let's go talk to you for everyone. We got you. Scoring a lot of goals. Yeah.